Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America. Happy Thursday. Just got back from Tallahassee, Florida, where I spent an hour with Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor and 2024 presidential candidate. Yes, he's kind of stuck in the polling. He's kind of trapped a distant second to Donald Trump. Uh, He's had a bumpy summer, but a very substantive interview. You're going to get all of that. We're going to adapt it for the podcast for tomorrow. The entire show tomorrow will be our exclusive interview with Ron DeSantis. A lot of interesting things about Chris Ray, about a central digital currency in America, about reforming the Fed, cleaning house at the FDA, CDC, and NIH, the three agencies that dropped the ball in the pandemic, and also some big thoughts about how to quickly reverse spending. And I think that those are some really significant conversations to have in the next few days. You're going to enjoy that tomorrow. But today, we've got a great show for you, along with a packed deck of headlines at Justin News. A lot of breaking news going on at Justin News. We're going to get to that in a second. But first, let me tell you who's on the show today. we got two good ones. Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana. Today, he chaired a very emotionally charged hearing where young people who tried to go through a gender-affirming care procedure, i.e. change their sex, testified on the pain, the regrets, the sorrows, the pressure and social manipulation that has led to this big wave of gender transitioning, preying on young children. Mike Johnson is going to tell us what happened there. He also had one of the big moments in yesterday's hearing confronting Secretary Mayorkas, called him the most dishonest witness, the Homeland Security Secretary, that is, that Congressman Johnson had ever seen in his seven years in Congress. That was one of the more explosive moments. Uh, He's going to hear it explain why he said that and what's up for What else is happening in the world? We're very, very excited about uh, having him on. He also has played a big role on so many of the Judiciary Committee's oversight hearings. So we'll have a good interview there. And then so much has happened on the energy front. Oh, my God. It started with stoves. Now the Biden administration is getting rid of or squeezing out gas furnaces, gas water heaters. Uh, Your choices of what you can put in your home shrinking uh, under the regulatory regime of liberal Democrats. We've got a great guest to bring us in on that, and that is Tim Stewart, our good friend, president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. He has a lot to talk about in that segment. I can't wait to get to that. Let's just get you up to speed on some of the many pretty dramatic headlines flowing around town right now. Uh, There is a lot going on. A big win for the energy industry. Speaking of Tim Stewart, the Supreme Court just announced that it was overruling the Fourth Circuit Appellate Court and is going to allow a natural gas pipeline to be constructed. This is the one that Joe Manchin's been fighting for against Joe Biden's regulators. Joe Manchin, 
the energy industry, and I think American consumers, won today the Fourth Circuit, the Biden administration, and environmental liberals uh, lost today. That's a big one. We're going to keep an eye on that. The march towards impeachment, something I'm sure we'll ask Mike Johnson about. Picking up steam, Kevin McCarthy floated it. He is number three. Elise Stefanik today, she says she's all for an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. Remember just a couple months ago, we were talking about Mayorkas and and maybe Garland. Now it's the president himself after all these dramatic revelations about what the FBI and Justice Department have known about bribery allegations for a long time. Donald Trump, well, his lawyers met with Jack Smith's prosecutors today. No indication whether an indictment is coming in the 2020 election probe, the January 6th probe, but the sign of a very important meeting. Uh, the president just reacted that. You'll check out the very latest on Justin News. You'll see what's going on there as well. Also, a lot of people talking about the UFO hearing today, and I think that that is another big part of the conversation today. The UFO hearing, a lot of people heard yesterday for the first time, we have non-humanoid remains in parts of a spaceship that don't match anything known to mankind here in the Earth, at least. Uh, A lot of people still talking about that. I think that's a very important one. Those are just a few of the many, 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 many headlines that are breaking. If you want them all, go to justthenews.com. We got you covered 24-7. And if you want to sound off, if you want to get involved, you want to do something to tell the Biden administration, the state governments and the city governments that are telling you you can't have a stove in your kitchen that uses gas or a gas water heater or a gas furnace or a brick oven if you're in New York and in Little Italy. Boy, that's an outrage in Little Italy, right? There is a great movement. Tim Stewart's going to bring us up to speed on it in a second, but I want to give you an early thing. Handsoffmystove.com brought to you by the U.S. Oil and Gas Association for 12 bucks a year, a buck a month. You join a movement, you get informed, you're kept up with grassroots information every day, opportunities to have conversations with your political elected leaders to tell them, hey, I'll decide what's in my kitchen. I'll decide what's in my home. I I appreciate you want to do good things, but my home is my home. My liberty is my liberty. Get out of my house. That's what Hands Off My Stove is all about. If you're excited to go do that, go to handsoffmystove.com today and go sign up. A dollar a month to join a very important group of like-minded Americans fighting for freedom, fighting for choice in our American homes. That's what that's all about. Handsoffmystove.com. Go check it out today and go join. Go match me. I joined a long time ago. All right, folks, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, our exclusive interview with Mike Johnson, Congressman from Louisiana, the chairman of that very dramatic hearing today on transgenderism. We'll have that right after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tn 
usa.com slash just news. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I know you know this because we cover it every day at Justin News, but there is some really remarkable congressional oversight going on. The Republicans, when they came into control in January, talked about accountability, about fixing broken things. And I, I've been in this town 35 years. I've not seen a level of accountability and oversight like I've seen in the last six months. It really is remarkable. We're learning things. We're fixing things. We're highlighting things that were long swept in the dark. Our next guest plays a very big role in that. He is an important member of the House Judiciary Committee. And today, he chaired one of those very important oversight hearings, this one, on the impact of gender-affirming care. I guess that's what they call it these days. People who had to transition and detransition and all of the harm that they went through. Joining us right now, Congressman Mike Johnson from the great state of Louisiana. Congressman, welcome back to the show. Hey, my friend. Grateful for your work all the time and, and really honored to be with you. Well, it's an honor to have you. This was a pretty dramatic hearing today. Some, a lot of issues in government don't lend themselves to the personal experiences of people. Today's hearing was very personal. The concerns of people who've had to transition, detransition, a very important hearing. I think a lot of people haven't been forced to think about this the way you made them do today. What were, were the highlights for you in this hearing? Well, it was a much anticipated hearing. We, we entitled it The Dangers and Due Process Violations of so-called gender-affirming care for children. And, and this has um, really risen to the public consciousness now because it's becoming more and more common. And it, it, it frankly is, is frightening. If you really look into what is happening in this space, um, I think it would alarm almost every American. I mean, we, you have children that are being coerced by adults in position of authority into life-altering and medically questionable and irreversible, by the way, sex transition procedures, and they don't have a full understanding of the, of the meaning or the impact of that. There's no science to support this. There's no studies regarding the long-term effect of this that it has on not only the, the, the physical person of someone, but, you know, mentally, spiritually, in every way. And so we had some very compelling witness testimony this morning, and, and we're drawing attention to what has become a really important issue. There's a moment in your opening statement that caught my attention because I thought it captured the public interest issue so well. It's going to read it to you, and then we can just expound on it a little bit. Whether it's by scalpel or by social coercion, there's an aggressive attempt to transition the young people of our country. They're doing this psychologically, and now they're doing it even physically. Something has gone terribly wrong. I think the best three-sentence summary of the debate of what's really happening here 
a lot of people come to me and say, John, is there some money interest behind this? Is there some pharmacological or medical industry or surgical industry that really is pushing this? Because there seems to be a profit motive that we're missing. What did you learn today about that? As we say all the time, follow the money, right? And that came out in the hearing today. You know, some of the witnesses affirmed, some of the experts we had at the, at the table affirmed what is obvious to us, that there's a, there's a financial interest from some of these big pharmaceutical companies and these providers to push these drugs, ex- experimental as they are, as dangerous as they are on kids. And by the way, the FDA has not approved this off-label use of any of these, any of these drugs. Um, it's a very dangerous thing. And in some of the states, it very likely uh, violates medical malpractice laws and standards. And uh, you've seen a lot of the state legislatures step up and, and uh, begin to legislate to try to ban this in the states. I think there may be 27 states now that have done so. Most recently, my own home state of Louisiana, the legislature courageously did it. The Democrat governor vetoed it. And they, they had a first ever in the history of our state, uh, a special session to come in and override the governor's veto on it. So, um, you know, it, it really has uh, drawn the attention of a lot of Americans. And I, and I think it's necessary because of what's happening to these kids. One of our, as you saw, one of our witnesses today is detransitioning. She Today was her 19th birthday, Chloe Cole. And she told, you know, tearfully shared her story about how she was pushed and coerced into this and, and really had no idea what she was doing at the time. Yeah, I would never have thought to say, oh, someone got bullied into being transitioned, but that's really what she described happened to her. And it's a really remarkable moment. There is a counterattack against this. Oh, Republicans and conservatives are just uncompassionate. They don't care. I want to point out something because I know you know this, but I bet you our, a lot of our, our listeners don't. Great Britain has banned these procedures. Our One of our closest allies in the world has looked at this critically and said, we're not going to do this anymore. They've shut down some of the clinics. They found a medical and science reason, right? Not an emotional reason, but a medical and science reason. Why is it our medical establishment is so far astray from the thinking of Great Britain? Well, astray is the right word. I mean, you have left-wing activists and and in all of these professions, they're running, you know, the AMA and all of these medical associations, and they're 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 certainly minimizing, in some cases, just ignoring the risk of these procedures because they're advancing a radical social experiment. And you have not just um, there, there's many European nations now, uh, not just one or two, that are that are halting this so-called gender affirming care for minors because they, they recognize some of these inherent dangers. They're seeing some of the remorse on the other side of this. And, and again, there's no literature to support what is being done. I, at, at the opening, the very opening of the, uh, of the hearing today, I played a short two-minute clip of one of the leading uh, surgeons out in Oregon in the Portland area. And, and this, this individual is on a podcast, and he's just boasting about really this shocking, fully experimental, irreversible, life-altering procedures that they're doing on children. And he says, he acknowledges in his own words, we really don't have any idea what the outcomes are going to be. And he says, we'll know in five to 10 years. And won't that be fascinating to see how all these t- kids turn out? I mean, it's just shocking. And to hear the description, the graphic description of what they're doing to children's bodies is, it really is just, it's a nightmarish kind of scenario. The hearing had, you know, the emotion and the moral crisis that this question that this poses. It had a lot of medical and science. There's a fascinating legal issue, and I thought you did a great job in your opening to describe this. There's also a due process question. Describe a little bit the legal issue that this big wave of transitioning it creates for the courts. So, John, you and I and, and, and most Americans, if you stop and make them think about it, we, we affirm this idea that parents are the ones who have the natural and fundamental right 
to raise their children. You know, the, the care and custody and control of children is in the hands of parents. This is a long-established principle the Supreme Court's acknowledged for over a century under the 14th Amendment due process. Parents have this, this right. <clears throat> but, but this is a unique situation in that the, the, the parental right is not absolute. So there are certain things that there's a public interest in protecting the health and safety of children, right? So we have seatbelt laws. We have laws against, uh, you know, alcohol use, et cetera. And it doesn't matter how liberated you may be, you can't violate these these sort of standards. And so we're presented with this very interesting question, where is that line? Um, the, the science, the data, the, the sort of the common sense in this space uh, indicates that if there's any due process violation here, it's of these, these children <laughs> because um, they can't make these decisions on their own. And in states like California, they have, they have they have usurped the rights of parents entirely. The ones who would object, they push them out of the room, literally, and and they're sort of taking custody of children in order to force sex changes on them. I mean, it's just madness. It's like something out of a science fiction film. But in some jurisdictions, that's exactly what's happening. So Congress has a role here to investigate this and try to figure out how to thread this needle. We have to protect children. We respect the fundamental right of, uh, rights of parents who certainly want to protect the, the care and the and the uh, the health of their children. Um, but we're in uncharted waters, as we are in, in so many areas now in society and in culture and in, 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 in our country. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, one of the places we're in uncharted waters or maybe turbulent waters is the better choice. The border yesterday, I thought you had one of the more dramatic moments in the questioning of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, I know your frustration is large with his performance and also the way he testifies, because his testimony constantly is, don't believe what your eyes are telling you to see. Normally, we believe our eyes because they usually tell us the truth. I think you called him the most dishonest witness you had seen in your seven years in Congress. Do you think he understands his days are getting numbered? You know, I called the last time or the first time he appeared before our committee after he had taken the position a couple years ago. He'd only been on the job four months, and I told him he needed to get his resume ready because we could acknowledge from the very beginning that the guy was totally subversive. He was ignoring federal law. They're imposing, you know, this open border policy. I mean, as you said, John, everybody can see this with their own eyes. But so in such a smug fashion, he sits in front of the committee, dodges, spins, tries to run out the clock. He's very effective at it. Um, and I, do, I genuinely believe, I, need, I take no pleasure in saying this to a, a cabinet secretary, but I think he's the most deceitful witness we've ever had before us. And he seems not to care. I think he knows at the end of the day he's untouchable. You know, we've called for his impeachment, but we know what that entails. And in the Senate, they'll never, they'll never vote to do that. Um, and, and, so, and now the attention has shifted to his boss, Merrick Garland, the attorney general himself, and now even the big guy, the president, Joe Biden. So. Um, he, he thinks he's going to escape uh, accountability here, and and um, I think that's why he's so smug and, and just just handles it the way he does. Americans will say, all right, you've convinced us. We, we've got an open border. We've got a major security problem, fentanyl, uh, crime, uh, child sex trafficking, uh, the incredible movie that just came out that really brought so much awareness to that for people who might not have thought about it before. Everybody wants to so is there something Republicans can do before the 2025 changeover in Congress to affect something at the border. Do you guys have some things up your sleeve, maybe in the appropriations process to box in or change some of the policies that Mayorkas has implemented that have created this crisis? There's a lot of thoughtful discussion and, and uh, you know, uh, strategery going on behind the scenes on that, because really, at the end of the day, you know, John, people back home get so frustrated. Why can't you guys affect real change? Why can't you bring accountability? 
you know, have to remind them that, you know, we only have the majority in one party and we have a very historically slim majority at that. Um, at the end of the day, the real power we have is the power of the purse. And so that's why you're going to see, you know, not just at DHS, but DOJ itself, the FBI, you know, it, it, we, we had a, a similar hearing with Director Christopher Ray the week before. And, um, you know, he's he's just as guilty. I mean, what's happening on his watch is is unconscionable. The FBI is engaged in open censorship, of the American people and all sorts of nefarious activities and labeling concerned parents as terrorists and all the rest. I mean, the scandals have stacked up so high, they're irrefutable. And so at some point, we have to restructure the funding. I mean, you know, the FBI, for example, wants a, a you know, nearly a four billion dollar new headquarters. And uh, we're not sure they deserve that if they can't respect the fundamental constitutional rights of the people they're supposed to protect and serve. And, and the same goes for Mayorkas and DHS. If they're going to continue to thwart federal law, we may have to redirect some of that funding. And so there's there's a lot of, of thoughtful discussion and and, um, and and deliberation about how that what that might look like. And I think you'll see some of that reflected in the coming weeks. Yeah, the power of the purse, one of the great powers that the founding fathers gave the House. And it looks like we have a majority that this time is willing to exercise it in a way that will create some change. You're busy. You're, you're chairing hearings. You're interrogating witnesses. Somewhere in the last few days, you found the time to also help file an amicus brief in the United States Supreme Court. This uh, a case that I think would be one of the more consequential regulatory cases of our lifetime, challenging the Chevron doctrine. Tell us a little bit of why this is so important and why it is a check on the unelected bureaucrats that seem to wage so much power these days. It's so important, uh, John. You know, in layman's terms, what that means, it, the, the deference that's given to our federal agencies is a legal doctrine that the court developed decades ago. And and what it means effectively is that if you're a federal agency or bureaucrat, a nameless, faceless bureaucrat somewhere in the system, you can effectively make law and you're giving deference in the courts when it's challenged that it must be OK. And that is a root problem of what is facing our country right now. We have these completely out of control federal agencies that are acting like many legislatures. They just make these dramatic rules that affect every aspect of everybody's lives. And and there's there's seemingly no check and, and balance on that. And so this, if we could get the Chevron doctrine reversed, which I think there's an appetite in the court, a majority to do that finally, um, it would be a, a dramatic change for everyone because then we would restore the balance of powers. You would have the Congress, the duly elected representatives of the people making those fateful decisions and not these people that no one can hold accountable because they don't even know who they are. I mean, here's the, here's the bottom line. The federal government right now is too big. It does too many things, and almost nothing that it does does it do well. And the way to scale back the size and scope of government is to begin here. And I think, I think the court, I hope the majority of the court will recognize that. Yeah, such an important conversation. And there have been some really big victories against the regulatory state in the last few years. West Virginia versus EPA, a big one, obviously a, a big one, this one. And today, a major ruling that restored the pipeline that Joe Manchin has been fighting for. That's a very important pipeline just for our energy infrastructure. Encouraged by the Supreme Court's ruling today on the pipeline? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, energy policy is is national security policy, you know, and, and this is common sense ruling. And I, we, we hope there are many more of these to come. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about the justice system because we, we see this incredible body of evidence that the FBI DOJ seems to have had from 2018 forward against Hunter Biden. And and in five, six years, they're just getting around to doing it. They can't even get a plea deal right. And meanwhile, in a few months, Donald Trump's been indicted twice, probably three times in the next few days. It'll be a third time and maybe a fourth time by August. Rapid speed for Trump. 
slow walking for the Bidens and other Democrats. I know you're frustrated. Do you feel like there's a tipping point ahead where we'll see some enforced reforms on the Justice Department, FBI, to get some of the politicalization concerns dealt with? Well, we'd better. I mean, it, it truly has been weaponized. I serve on the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. And when we named it, the Democrats balked and said, oh, what, what, you know, what a hyperbolic statement. You know, John, there's no other way to describe what we're facing now. I mean, from the attorney general himself all the way down and every division of the DOJ, is, they, they truly are doing the bidding of one political party. And, you know, the, the, the idea that, that a sitting president could prosecute his chief political rival um, you know, the odds on favor to be the Republican nominee is just it's just unconscionable. And, and they're using it clearly for political purposes. And that's why the people's faith in our system of justice has has fallen to historic low levels. And that is of great concern to all of us, because it doesn't matter what political party you're in, what your proclivities are. We have to have a reliable system of justice. We, the people have to believe that justice is blind and you really do have equal justice under the laws is chiseled into the marble above the door of the U.S. Supreme Court. If we if we don't have that wide consensus and belief, then we don't have a country. I mean, you can't maintain a constitutional republic, a government of, by, and for the people if they make the decision that they need to resolve their disputes on their by themselves in the streets, right? I mean, so there's nothing greater than this concern we have about restoring faith in the system of justice. And I, it starts now. It starts with accountability, with the people in charge. This is not about noble, patriotic, you know, FBI field agents, for example, out in the field offices, this is about the top level of leadership and it's been corrupted and weaponized and we have to do something about it. Yeah, it really is a moment. Wherever I go when I travel the country, I was just in Florida yesterday, people come up to you and this, this is on their mind first and foremost. A lot of big issues, obviously, with the border and so many other things, economy, but the lack of or the fear that our justice system is about to sling out of control really is on everyone's minds. It's remarkable. And I know you're on the front lines of trying to fix that and, and restore the confidence that we all want to have in it. Congressman, always a great honor to have you show. You are moving and shaking all day long. I don't know how you found time for the interview, but we're sure grateful you did. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. You're that important, my friend. Appreciate you. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you. All right, sir. Have a good weekend. God bless you. Folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Tim Stewart, our good friend from the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, we're going to zip through some pretty dramatic energy headlines the last few weeks. A lot of big news. We're going to catch you up on that right after these messages. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? 
It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money-back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So many people are beginning to absorb the big whiff that the Biden administration did. They spent two and a half years trying to woo China, giving allowing a lot of bad behavior by China, including that spy balloon to go unanswered, and all of hopes of getting a climate deal that would meet their satisfaction, check off a box for their liberal funders. And they came back, you got it, empty-handed again. Uh, we've seen this plot before, but this time it's having real consequences for the American public and for our national security. And our next guest, well, he's been on the front lines of fighting for common sense energy policy, something that we're lacking these days. He's the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association and our good friend, Tim Stewart. And he joins us right now. Tim, welcome back. John, thanks for having me. It's it's warm here in, in Washington, isn't it? <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Absolutely. Pretty remarkable the different things that are going on. There are maybe six or seven different initiatives in the name of climate change that all seem to be straining energy production at a time where our energy system is straining for power. Right? We got utilities that are really concerned. Uh, why? Why is the administration literally trying to throw crisis on top of a crisis? Well, it, it's it's a great question, and you and I we talk about this all the time. It seems like whenever it gets hot in July, then all of a sudden the world's on fire and you see all these stories about climate over the past few weeks. And the administration, I think, really is trying to take advantage of that. I actually had my staff do a little research on this. is interesting. At the end of 2022, the Washington Post climate team had more than more than 30 journalists who were assigned to write about climate. The AP had a, hired a 20-person climate desk in 22 wasn't funded by AP. It was funded by outside groups, those dark money billionaires that we fight. In the end of 21, New York Times had a climate desk of 80 journalists publishing 4,000 articles a year. And so what you see is that's when, when the Washington narrative has literally hundreds of, of journalists who have to write something every day. That's why you see 
sort of the absurdity level of climate-related issues and what's tied to climate and what isn't rise to, to where we're at right now. So many on that climate beat, it's not surprising we see a lot of stories. And so the administration, I think, is actually trying to take advantage of that. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but Senate Majority Leader Schumer was said the importance of climate is shown on a 90-degree day. It's the end of July in Washington. There are 40, 90-degree days a year in Washington. It's nothing new, you know. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And from my perspective, the, the oil and gas industry, we, we're, we're, this is a giant game of whack-a-mole. And we're just banging away trying to, to put these things back to, to bed. So it's a it's a tough challenge for us right now. It's really fascinating. There's clearly a coordinated media onslaught going on. BBC, Time Magazine, Vox, NPR, Washington Post, CNN. They all have identical stories that come out, you know, within a few hours of each other. The messaging is seems very coordinated. It's very hard to coordinate the news media because they usually are pretty disjointed. Uh, somebody seems to have a master talking points that are getting distributed and they're just taking advantage of a, of a hot summer. Listen, I'm, I've been in this town for 30 years. There were some summers where we broke 100, 105 for several days in a row, which hasn't even happened here. Uh, do you sense that the media really is just following a talking point that some administration official gave them? You are absolutely right. It is coordinated and it is incredibly well coordinated. I, I would give anything to have that degree of ability to coordinate a message on behalf of my industry. The underlying thing we all should watch, and this is what your listeners really need to pay attention to, is if you notice the one underlying comment is it's a climate emergency. And you, I don't know if you've seen much of that, but you, you start looking for it and you see it's everywhere. It's members of Congress and it's the media calling for the president to declare a climate emergency. Those emergency powers are really, really concerning for all of us. If you grant the president emergency powers to declare a climate emergency, it's just like COVID. He could, he's got vast and unchecked authority to shut down everything from communications to infrastructure. That's water, electricity. He'd freeze assets. He could control domestic transportation, air travel. He could literally do exactly what they did in COVID. And that's really concerning. And on the communication side, I mean, it shuts down Twitter. If you say something, if you disagree with the climate emergency, you can be shut down. We really need to be paying attention to that because that power could be extended indefinitely until the climate emergency is over. Who knows how long that would last? And so that's that's real concerning to us. I think we all ought to be watching that one very, very closely. Yeah, that's a really good, really good point. Do you think that they're moving in that direction? Is that their game plan here to lay the predicate that by the fall they have a climate emergency and new new government powers? I, you know, I, I would, I, you sort of have to trust but verify. And frankly, I don't trust them. And, and uh, I think we ought to be verifying this. You know, it's, they're, they're leaning to that direction. It is a huge, huge uh, regulatory overreach to get there. But whoever thought that, you know, three years ago, they do the exact same thing, two weeks to shut, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. This could be two years to, to flatten the, you know, the temperature increase. So, again, it's, it's frightening, you know. These are pretty extraordinary times. And the, also the, the Democrats' exercise of power is so expansive now. It, it doesn't resemble anything that I think our founding fathers would have intended a central government in Washington to have. And even when the courts rein them in, they come right back and say, well, we'll just do it again and again. Yeah. You, yeah. We're seeing that right now. That's a great point. We're seeing that right now with sort of this regulatory overreach where the court has, has slapped them down and they turn right around and, and do new regs coming out. We said that in the oil and gas leasing world uh, right now where, where, you know, the court shut down the West Virginia case, and so the administration turned right around and has, has in, just in the last few weeks, introduced several new uh, proposed regs on an accelerated timeline to, to accomplish what they wanted, despite what the court told them not to do. It's pretty remarkable. There was a 
I thought maybe the, one of the most unusual art news articles I've seen, and I've seen a lot of unusual news articles the last 10 years. Uh, uh, I saw, I've seen more in the last two years than I saw in the first 30 years of my career. But the LA Times had a story saying it may be time soon where we all have to just power down for certain days of the year. Again, another form of this sort of extremism and alarmism on dealing with this. By the way, if the U.S. powered down, China's not going to. So carbon emissions are still going to come from China in the days we shut down. What do you think is driving some of these really out of the box? Out of box is not even a fair assessment. Strange ideas. I mean, ideas that no one in America is going to settle for. Well, and I mentioned this uh, earlier this week when that article came out. This is sort of the softening up of, of the public. I think the Marxist left know, knows that, that net zero and deindustrialization will inevitably lead to shortages and hardships. And I, I honestly do think that this is a, if you're playing the long game like they play over five or 10 years or 50 years or 100 years, they have to soften the public up. And in this particular case, that LA Times headline, which says, you know, are, are, are a black, blackouts good for, to help solve climate change? What they're saying is they're trying to say it's your patriotic duty it's your ethical duty, it's your spiritual duty to the state to undergo hardship on behalf of, of the betterment of, of the rest of society and the betterment of the state. It really is a softening up process, and, and that's another thing that, that the public really needs to be paying attention to. Because that goes to this message, like you were saying, we were saying at the start of the conversation, so many stories coming at you, hundreds of different stories a day, and they're all telling you that you're a bad person if you don't believe this. And again, it's the softening of the psyche. It's this, it's sort of the, the, the psychop words uh, that you'd have it in any sort of uh, big operation. Yeah, it is a psychological operation. There's no doubt about it. There are some real operations going on, though, regulatory things going on almost on a daily basis. The latest, the White House is going to have a cabinet level methane task force. I guess that means that there'll be cabinet officers on the task force. I want to make sure I understand this correctly because. If I've studied the EIA data, the single largest source of reduction of carbon emissions isn't solar, wind, any of the things that we spent trillions of dollars on. Natural gas has been the single largest contributor to reducing carbon emissions in America, the conversions from coal to natural gas plants. And yet there is an incessant war on natural gas now, not just on the stoves in your house, but now methane, which is you know the primary ingredient of natural gas. Why would the administration be attacking the one thing that right now is helping to bring down carbon emissions? Because honestly, John, I don't think it's about bringing down carbon emissions. It's about doing away with the fossil fuel industry. They've been pretty clear about that. If, if they were honest, they'd, they'd actually have to admit that CO2 is, is actually quite beneficial to plant life, et cetera, et cetera. That's why greenhouses pump CO2 into the greenhouse to make the plants grow. This is as much, it, it is this philosophical slash religious approach to uh, shaping the world of the way they want it. And methane is just one small piece of that. It was really interesting, you know, yesterday the White House held a methane summit and they failed to invite anyone from the oil and gas industry. They, they invited a whole bunch of companies who said that they can fix the methane problem but they made sure not to invite anybody who could actually use the technology that was being showcased. This is on par for the course of the administration. You know, a, a few weeks ago, the Department of Energy released a ban on plastics innovation and, and didn't invite the plastics industry either. This is just one thing. They don't trust industry, and they certainly don't trust the oil and gas industry, who's already proven that we are the, the best uh, reducers of CO2 by using our product. They certainly they don't trust us, and, and we're not part of the solution in their mind. So. 
again, it's the it's the ongoing thing that we struggle with day to day, depending on this administration. It is really remarkable, and you you are a major employer. I mean, one of the great things about the energy industry it is driving the economy with great jobs. A lot of the oil and gas companies aren't big oil; they're mid-sized and family-owned companies that are just you know, doing exploration. And by the way, the cleanest way of anywhere in the world. And there's been this war. I mean, it started, I guess, early on by the false insinuations that fracking was somehow polluting drinking water. That got blown up because it wasn't true. And they just keep finding a new issue to attack something that actually right now is a big part of the solution equation if Democrats really want to be part of it. Do you think the American public is beginning to become sensitized that, wait a second, are you talking about shutting my house down for a day? No, you're telling me I can't have a stove? No. Do you think there's a moment now where this sort of regulatory long arm becomes a real issue in an election? I, I think it does. And that's what gives, that's what's encouraging um, on this issue, like the stoves or anything else. I think when people look at what they watch the weather and all of a sudden, you know, an 85 degree, 85 degree day is painted as purple on a map on the, on the weather report. They're looking at going, stop, you know, just stop. And I, I, I yeah. I really do think we're at that tipping point where, you know, you can you can only tell a lie so often for so long before people start to to really get onto it. And I and I, I guess sense that I look at our, our polling data for the industry. We still uh, I'm very encouraged. The fact that the public is still with us very much with us. They recognize what we do for them. They recognize they they like our product. And that's encouraging to us. So we're at the tipping point. I think, you know, if we, we cannot give up the fight, but we've got to still. Uh, be diligent, but we're we're making progress. We're we're feeling better than we were last year at this time. Yeah, and you, there's so many more people are particularly aware of the great effort you started of hands off my stove. I think educating people, hey, they're going to tell you what you can use in your kitchen, what you can't now, what you can use in your basement. Not you can't have a gas water heater, you can't have a gas stove, can't have a gas furnace. I think that starts to become very personal to the everyday American citizen. Now we haven't had a chance to talk since this happened, but. John Kerry spent two and a half years courting, whining, and dining, and capitulating to China with the hope that he'd come back with some grand climate deal, and he came back with bumpkiss. I mean, literally, the Chinese said, thank you, but we'll do our thing our way. Over that time, there was a lot of silence in the United States government about bad behavior by the Chinese, whether it's the Uyghurs or the spy balloon or the constant saber rattling around Taiwan. This is a major blunder in foreign policy, but it's also a major blunder for energy security because we could have had two and a half years of doing things here that would have made our situation better. And instead, we spent all of our energy courting China. How big a black eye is the Kerry failure in Beijing? Well, I think what it demonstrates, and and this is humiliating to the to the sort of U.S. foreign policy approach, which is John Kerry is now viewed as a deeply unserious person with deeply unserious ideas. And you you walk into uh, what really technically would be your major your second largest major trading partner like China versus Canada, right? You walk in and say this is our policy priorities, and they say thank you very much for sharing your views. We'll keep them in mind, and they send you back home. And and again, it's it's it, it goes to show that that rational. Not to say the Chinese are rational, but it, it goes to that rational foreign policy cannot be fully embraced upon just climate change and climate change only. Uh, and again, it was a deeply unserious approach and, and he got what he deserved walking out. And the result is the United States looks weaker in the process. It's very sad, frankly. We're losing face on so many fronts right now. Sometimes we feel like one of those plastic potato heads parts are falling off the face all the time. It's really serious. I mean, I, I talk to foreign allies and they're like, 
guys, are you are you aware of what America looks like in the foreign eyes? Yeah, I think we're we're getting painfully aware of it. There is little doubt from the data and the reports and all I've seen that if if someone was serious about climate change and or serious about reducing carbon, listen, maybe carbon reduces uh, carbon causes climate change, maybe it doesn't. But listen, there's one half of the country that wants to do it. There is a clear way: nuclear plus natural gas would get us there at trillions less than we've already spent and in a quicker time frame. Do you think there are serious people in the middle that might actually take this forward? Yeah, it's really, it's interesting to watch what's happening in Europe, John, because I think the serious people are the Europeans. They are now, right? They tried all the other stuff. Frankly, the United States is to the left of the EU when it comes to climate and subsidizing everything. Germany's slow deindustrialization process because of high energy costs is really, really sort of sending uh, shockwaves and a clear signal to other countries saying, hmm, maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. Uh, I do think that, I think you're exactly right. To get from here to there, you have to, if you really want to electrify everything like the left claims they want to do, you're not going to do it with renewables. You've got to do it with nuclear. And you've got to have natural gas be that bridge fuel to that point because it is. It, those are two reliable base load generators, you know. And if you want to do feel-good wind and feel-good solar, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is when you do rolling brownouts, uh, you need some you need some reliable base load, which is nuclear and natural gas. So uh, I do think the Europeans are looking at us going, okay, well, um, we're we're now to the right of you. So let's not let's not replicate the German or the U.S. Uh, mistakes that they're making right now. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. It'll be fascinating to see how this goes. Doesn't bode well for my electric vehicle, you know. I <laughs> yeah, where is that electric vehicle? Is it out on the road ever? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's like it's next to getting a Jack Russell Terrier. It's probably the worst decision we made over the last <laughs> ten years, right? Yeah. Um, we so, Sunday night, you know, we were we were dry, we were doing a hundred forty mile round trip, and we were spent twenty five minutes in the parking lot of the Walmart waiting for the one working supercharger, and I was jostling with a Rivian and a Mustang, and I only had 24 miles left to go because I was going over the mountain and I was out of range and I had to juice up and it took me 25 minutes to get 40 miles on my range. It's just not practical. It's fine for running around town, but, you know, it's a, it really pr- performs its role as a second vehicle. Um, you know, there's, there's so many. The worst part, John, about being an owner of an electric vehicle is being tethered. You know, I'm not I'm not tethered. I can go get gasoline anywhere I want, but I'm tethered to where a charging station is. I think a lot of people who took the dive and, you know, for good intentions, perhaps. Right. Uh, they probably even well, and they like, you know, this isn't the, the, the economy, the energy grid. It's not ready. yet. Maybe one day it'll be ready, but it ain't now. It ain't ready now. Exactly right. Apparently, I can't get over the mountain. I've got to stop at Walmart. And the problem is when you stop at Walmart, it costs you, you know, Seven dollars to charge up, but if your wife goes into Walmart, it comes out a hundred and fifty dollar fill up because she goes into Walmart and spends some extra, <laughs> spends a lot more money than you anticipated. So, anyway, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's really, really amazing. So let's get an update. I think everybody in the Justin News family, John Solomon reports family, they they've heard about this hands off my stove, and it's very exciting. But when we started this, the object of the regulatory state was gas stoves. But now, last week, they, they have new regs on, on water heaters. There's new regs on furnaces. Even brick ovens in New York are under assault, which, <laughs> good luck messing with the Little Italy in New York on that one. There seems to be a much larger war on the Americans' personal home and what choices you're not going to be having in the future. How big an assault is this on homeowners' choices? 
And what do you think is the likely political reverb from it? So, you know, the Just the News family, you working and, and giving me the opportunity to talk about this, we, we've had some incredible traction and it's been great. Like, I mean, I've worked in Washington 30 plus years and this is one issue where it, we, the traction has gained so quickly. It was fascinating. And, it, and the interesting thing, John, is it actually happened in Congress above all places. You know, Congress, Congress is only good at Congress is only good at two things, which is doing nothing until it's time to overreact and then completely overreacting. But in this particular case, it's been so interesting to watch individual members pick up on this. And if you go through, there's a bill tracker uh, website I can send you to take a look at. It shows what, what bills are followed most closely over the course of a week. Inevitably, week in and week out for the last several weeks, it has been the different bills that deal with banning, that we're putting the prohibition on the ban of gas stoves and, and other appliances and, and things like that. This has got, gotten Congress's attention. And so they've been able to, to have several different legislative plays in different bills, which will ultimately be able to put the stuff at the federal level. Where we have the problem now, and you just pointed out, it's, it's not so much Congress, it's not so much the, reg, the Biden administration, because they, they've got the brakes put on them. It's the local municipalities. It's the... It's the New York City boroughs that want to uh, ban pizza ovens, and it's the you know the Boulder Colorados, and it's the Berkeley Californias, uh, it's those Marxists at the local level who are trying to push this. That becomes a much more diversified, you know, diffused fight, and that's going to be a real challenge for us going forward. So, um, but it's really been great to see how quickly Congress has jumped on this thing and pushed back, and that's a that's a big win for us. You you've been instrumental in helping us get this out, and I really do. Appreciate appreciate it. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a really gratifying thing over the just last four or five months where it's caught so much attention and, and we've gained so much traction. It really does. I, so I went down to Tallahassee to go interview Governor DeSantis. And in the airport, I got back early this morning. There were a whole bunch of us in the 530 shuttle in the airport. And uh, we were having coffee. And the guy came up to me and said, he said something very profound. And he was talking about more than just the stoves. He said, you know, I know when I went to school, they taught me about some line in the Declaration of Independence said we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I can't even put what I want in my darn house anymore. When are we going to get this over with? Just a frustrated guy who understood that all of the different regulatory assaults now really aren't just, you know, esoteric alphabet soup discussions in Washington. They're going to affect what's in my house tomorrow, the next year, and the year after that, or what my children and grandchildren are going to have. There's really a sense that it is personal for the first time in feeling this. It'll be interesting to see what the call to action for for next year's election is. It seems to me that, you know, scorecards identifying where lawmakers and presidential candidates stand on this could be really a very valuable tool. How much do you think the Americans are ready to bone up on this and really understand where their policymakers, their elected leaders stand? So I think, you know, if I, if I could wave my magic wand, this is an albatross that's hung around, uh, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of legislators and local officials. It, it, it's got to be hung around there because you're exactly right. This is talk about taking away freedom. That's what we've been saying all along. It's, it's not just a, it's, if you take away, you know, a gas dryer, for example, you take away the, the consumer's ability to get that, it's not going to come back for a long, long time. And so that's, they understand that. 
And it is our goal at handsoffmystove.com, and as we have to grow this thing out to apparently, you know, hands off my house, like you say, and hands <laughs> off my life. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to talk not just about stoves, but appliances, everything else. Um, uh, we need to make them feel the pain for this, and that's our intent. So if all goes as planned, you're going you're gonna to see this is going to be one of those major campaign discussions at the, at the congressional level and at the state level where we're going to make people be accountable for for trying to place completely unrealistic and unfair uh, regulations on on personal families and we're going to hang this on them that is clearly going to be an issue just like hands off our children in the last two years have been very powerful too there's nothing more personal than having the government affect your children or affect your home and there's clearly a mindset that the government feels like those are lines they can now cross. And I think the American people are poised to say, "Uh uh-uh, that line is drawn in the sand for a reason. going to be very interesting. Anyone can go to Hands Off My Stove, join for just $12 a month. That's like the price of a coffee in Washington these days. $12 a year, a year, a dollar a month. Dollar a month. I mean, that's the price of a coffee. It's crazy. And you get a lot in return for it. Tell folks what they get when they when they join the this great civic effort. Well, you know, it's it's we're we're ramping up sort of the weekly communications and, and our team, again, we're volunteers. Everybody doing this is volunteers, it's not paid DC consultants. And you see that reflected. You know, we're not we're not you know, incredibly slick and, and not clearly not we're not that well funded, but we do keep people involved and we have an incredible uh, open rates. Fascinating. I, I checked this yesterday. Uh, we've got about, you know, there's a lot, we all get thousands of emails every day, but we're, our open rate is, our open rate is 50, 60% per week. And so people, people who are open these are going, yes, I want to be, yeah, it's amazing. Um, what a good example is what they get for the 12 bucks. We got a, we got somebody who called us yesterday and said, I'm out here in Colorado, the local city council trend. Do you guys have any money where I could print some lawn signs? And so that money, that $12 somebody sent in, we're going to send, send send him some money to, to print up some lawn signs and do what he needs to do. It's stuff like that. You know, it's 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 a rising tide lifts all boats. If you live in a red state, odds are you're not fighting this fight as much. But if you're living in a blue state you're getting in, and you don't like this, you're getting creamed right and left. And so we're really trying to help our, our less fortunate people who are across the the wall, so to speak, you know, the Berlin Wall and trying to help them get over, help them, get, to help them out, you know. Yeah, it's such an important thing. And uh, it's such a brilliant call to action. Hands off my stove. It, it rolls off the tongue and people get it right away. And if you look, like I just did a, a search the other day, how many major media have had interviews over the last stories on their network of Fox News all day long, Newsmax, but even some of the mainstream have covered some of the concerns that the local and federal efforts are having. You launched a conversation. I think the reason it succeeded so well is that it has such a simple premise. The call to action really is the threat, which is you don't, you're not going to be able to cook on the stove you want in the future if you don't speak up. Such a brilliant call to action, and it really has resonated with everyday Americans. And I guess all we have to do is go to handsoffmystove.com, right? And you can get signed up in a few seconds. And we, we welcome we welcome new folks because, you know, we turn right around and, and those donations, we get them out as quick as we can to other, to other people who are trying to fight. So again, we're all volunteers here, uh, and that's how it should be.
you know, um, doing it in our, I had a good team. They're, they're good kids and they're working hard. Yeah. And they're doing something meaningful. I mean, this is something that is generationally important. I'll tell folks, Hey, I did this. I signed up. I want everyone go match me today. Listen, it's a buck a month. You don't get anything for a buck a month anymore. Go join, match me, go join. You're going to get lots of great intelligence. You're going to really learn about this encroaching, creeping intrusion by governments from the federal all the way down to local on what you can do in your home, what you can do in your family, what you can cook with and how you can cook. It's a really important time to get educated. I think this this dollar is the best dollar you'll spend this month. So go do it and help out this great cause. Tim, amazing work. A lot to be keeping an eye on. I had one last question because it caught my attention over the weekend where our good energy reporter, Addison Smith, who's usually on top of things, a very influential investor seemed to have soured on green and he had put a lot of money into green and he's going back to oil and gas. Warren Buffett making some big, big investments in oil and gas. He's a trendsetter and he 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 makes decisions because he knows pretty much where world the world is going. What do you think was behind that? And what big message does that send to everyday investors and to the rest of America? Maybe that we're going to need oil and gas for a long time to come, right? Yeah. I mean, the Oracle of Omaha speaks. And, and if you want to have good returns in your portfolio, you should listen. You know, you and I have talked. We've, I've said, don't bet against this industry. Whatever you do, don't bet against us. Uh, we are, we're long and slow and steady, and our products can be around uh, for another 100 years, if not longer. So uh, it's always wise to have you know, we're frankly, we're an excellent part of the diverse portfolio. Even if you are 100% into the green world, you want some oil and gas just because we, we help offset the perpetual losses in your ESG portfolio. So I, the Oracle speaks, and I'm going to follow him. <laughs> I think a lot of investors, anyone who wants to make money, think that's a good bet. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Tim, always an honor to have you on. We learned so much. I feel like our audience is so much more educated over the last couple of years since we made you a regular guest. It, energy is national security. Energy is not only energy security, and, and also it's financial security now in the world we live in. You have done more than any person I know of in our rotating group of guests to really get us educated on this and to prepare for the big debates ahead. We're, we're so much smarter than we were two years ago, and I really want to thank you for, for making us that way. Well, the admiration is mutual. You, 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 and your team just do a great job. It is straight down the middle. It's, it's the, it is the straight story, and we really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk about this because I tell you, we don't get it from the mainstream media. They don't give us this chance. It is squeezed out in ways like I could never imagine twenty years ago. But we're so grateful that we can be part of this and, and really educate the public. So. Thanks, my friend. I know we're going to get you back on real soon, but great conversation. Folks, if you want to check, we have an energy newsletter at Just the News. You can go sign up for it any moment in the newsletter section. Every Sunday, we put out maybe about 25 of the most important stories in the energy space. Everything you could ever imagine on. If you want to be a little bit smarter when you go to the next neighborhood party, go sign up for that. It's a really great product and one of the many things that we partner with, our good friend Tim Stewart. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Thanks, Tim, for being with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home 
and it's tidal. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Tidal Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary Home Title Lock protection free. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at HomeTitleLock.com. Go there today. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule, that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store. Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from, yep, you got it, Just the News. So grateful you can join us today. We're always trying to have an impact on the conversation to get you people in the know, on the front lines, like Congressman Jordan, like Tim Stewart, like so many other folks. That's why we created justthenews.com. We get you the facts, get you the information, let you make up your mind. We're not trying to make up your mind for you. We trust you to be smart enough to make up your own, something a lot of our news colleagues and other organizations perhaps do not. All right, quick reminder, if you want to join handsoffmystove.com, you go to handsoffmystove.com, sign up today, buck a month, $12 a year. It's about the price of an expensive coffee in Washington, D.C. these days. You're going to get a lot more than a single cup of coffee by joining an opportunity to sound off and to become part of a civilian army trying to inform regulators that you don't feel right that the government can tell you not to, what they, you can put in your kitchen, stove, gas furnace in your basement, gas water heater. If you want to be part of that movement, be part of that volume, make your voice heard, go to handsoffmystove.com, www.handsoffmystove.com. Join today, buck a month. That's pretty darn cheap. You don't get anything anymore for a buck, so that's a good deal. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Tomorrow, we'll have our exclusive interview with Ron DeSantis. You're going to want to hear that. There is a lot of news in that. But until then, God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.